Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We spent the first five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage people don't come to church anymore. This season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation by taking specific Bible verses that have been abused due to man-made tradition and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verses. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? Oh, I'm excited. I am excited. We'll get we'll get to the topic in a second here. But before we do, I want to give a little disclaimer that if you haven't listened to seasons one through five, please do so. Everything we're going to discuss during this season is built on the foundation of the previous five seasons. So at the very least, please check out the episodes that we're going to reference during this episode. Yes, those 75 episodes repeatedly showed that every issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. We called those perspectives the strict and the loose perspectives. 75 so, episodes. Wow. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. Time's yeah. flying. Her podcast, too. <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. Nice. All right. So what the strict side does, the strict perspective will initiate conflicts with the Bible by saying that they know the correct interpretation for sure. Yet when contradictions are exposed, they rationalize their reliance on man-made tradition in place of God's word. The biggest example of this is you're a sinner and that although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. So that's a contradiction, and they rationalize mm -hmm. it away. So mm -hmm. we can categorize the strict perspective people as contradiction rationalizers. What the loose perspective does is they avoid conflict with the Bible by saying we can't know anything for sure because there is no answer given or because the answer is beyond our understanding. It's either a paradox or it's just too complex for us to know. Nice. The contradiction within this perspective is that these people still want to be able to say to you that they know for sure that you are wrong. We've seen that and categorized this group as people who are contradiction enablers. Amazing. Great. Thank you, Joel. Let's, I'm excited to look at both of these perspectives. First, what is the verse or verses we're going to be covering today? Job 2.3. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. When we're in Job, yeah, whenever, I'm a... in, whenever I'm in church and someone starts talking Job, I there's a certain segment of my body that tightens. Yeah, yeah. So Job 2.3 says, And Jehovah said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and turns away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. <laughs> Amazing. We're going to be talking about a conversation that Jehovah God has with Satan. Yes. Okay. Ugh. Just a little light topic. 
yeah very light yeah <laughs> this is definitely a season six conversation right perfect yes yeah. exactly good thing we had that qualifier yeah in order to look at how this verse has damaged the reputation of the bible or in other words how man has taken away from what god intended with this verse we have recorded messages from two of our favorite callers from the first five seasons first let's hear the strict explanation given by apostle tater from mcmullen alabama okay so satan can't make god do anything thank you apostle tater joel how would you respond uh yeah pretty clear and and a direct statement there i would i would want this person to understand god's nature and contrastive thinking so I'd have them listen to the God's Nature series to understand that better, starting season two, episode one, and the contrastive thinking episode, which is season five, episode four, is what they'll learn is God works according to justice, and the process for determining truth is that truth is proven using contrastive thinking. Nice. And next, the loose perspective is given by Pastor Rich from McMillan, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say. Yeah, you know, most of the Bible shouldn't be taken literally, especially this book. Y'all know that, you know, we, it, it, it's poetry. That's, that's what I always heard. Joel, how would you respond to someone who held the loose perspective? Well, I'd want them to listen to season five, episode one, where we covered truth versus deception. And then also another season five episode. Yeah, again, this proves this is a season six conversation, right? A lot of these doctrine that they need right. to understand were season five doctrine. But the anyways, the growth mindset episode, season five, episode five. Nice. Because it is deception to try to ignore the truth of the Bible. And proof of lacking a growth mindset is avoiding confrontation and not admitting when you are wrong. Got it. So the strict side doesn't understand God's nature and that truth is proven contrastively. Right. And the loose side doesn't understand the difference between truth and deception while possibly not having the ability to grow. Right. So we got, you know, four, two, two on the loose side, two on the strict side. Yes. So what steps should we take to get the correct interpretation? All right. Well, we'll use the same five-step process that we do for every passage this season. Step one is what does the Bible say? And we can see Job 2, 3, the verse that we we quoted earlier is in fact in the Bible. And it says, and Jehovah said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and turns away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity. Although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. So yes, we need to move on because this is in fact in the Bible. Unlike sometimes when people will quote something attributing it to the word of God when it's not even in the Bible. Here we can see it is. So step two is what does the original language say? 
While the original language is largely consistent with the, the English translation. Now, there is some interesting difference in the word used that is translated as Satan. Hmm. But this doesn't necessarily address the issue most people have with this verse. So, for instance, the word translated as Satan means a withstanding spirit or one who serves as an adversary at a trial. So the word Satan most simply means adversary. But other than that, the th that's not the issue. The issue isn't what is Satan doing or is the Satan doing it. It's the issue really comes down to did Satan make God do this? You know, it's like what Tater said, Satan can't make God do anything. That's the real mm. issue there. Mm. So yeah, as far as the original language, again, consistent. We can move on to number three. What's the context? So here we're going to bring you for a little trip because we need to back into certain certain parts of Job chapter one and then flush out other verses in Job chapter two. So not the entirety of both chapters, but enough where we get the context of what's going on here. So let's go all the way back. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 say this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Jehovah, and Satan also came among them. I'm going to pause right there. These sons of God are spiritual beings. Okay. As Satan was, right? Right. They came to present themselves before Jehovah. Satan being among them. Verse 7. And God said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered God and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Verse 8. Jehovah God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth? A perfect and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Interesting. So notice the time when Satan and God had this interaction was a time when the sons of God presented themselves before God. This was not an isolated event between God and Satan. This is set up as if this is something that happens, not something that happened once. Mm. Furthermore, and most importantly, Job is declared as a perfect and upright man. By who? By God. <laughs> oh, man. It's I think all... I can speak for you. Me and Jonathan take God's word very seriously. 100%. When he says something, we believe it. A perfect and upright man. Wow. Yeah. That's not a very traditional perspective. No. Of, of what some what a person is called right maybe maybe this would mean we we better look at what we understand the word perfect to mean especially but that's absolutely that's a whole other argument that's another something something yeah but and finally a really a, a subtle but important point god initiated this question about job on to say you're right yep so let's go into Job. We're still in Job 1. Now let's go through verses 9 through 11. So Satan answered God and said, does Job fear God for nothing? 
have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan here said, if God took away everything that Job had, Job would curse God. Right. This is an our do have versus have do our dispute. God sees things from cause to effect as who you are results in what you do results in what you have. Excellent. And our focus ought to be on the causes. Satan has the perspective and is attributing this perspective to Job of what you have results in what you do results in who you are. Nice. So God is looking at this from cause to effect. Are to have. Satan is looking at this from effect to cause. Or if I was to say what Satan's cause to effect is, it would be have to are. Got it. So it's like, yeah, Satan's going, yeah, sure, he's righteous, whatever. But it's because of this hedge of protection around him. Around he his has, household, about around everything he has. Right. Yeah. You ha- He has all of these things. Yeah. He's been blessed. He's been blessed, which means he's going to have, which means he's, he does all of these things, which yep. means that, which that's is arguing why. essentially that's Job's cause for being perfect and upright. He's perfect and upright because he has all this great stuff. He's got all this stuff and he's protected. Right. He's, that's why he's great. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're not denying that he's perfect and upright. So even say, Satan's not denying that. No. Nope. He's saying the reason though is because of the, all that he has. Yeah. If you touch all, if you touch his, all that he has, then he's going to curse you to your face and it, you won't be righteous anymore. You won't be right. upright anymore. You won't be perfect anymore. Now Satan could have just said, yeah, I've considered him. Sounds like an awesome guy. But instead he says, uh, yeah, but he's perfect and upright because of everything he has and how you're protecting everything he has. Now, God's kind of in a corner here. Since truth is proven contrastively, and because God is right and just in his nature, he can't just say, I'm right because I said so, because I'm the righteous judge. There is a specific process God has to work according to in order to prove out this truth about job because god's point is job fears god that's the cause mm-hmm. of everything he has and and satan's saying no he fears you because he has this stuff so now let's get into job chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 it's essentially from you know at that point so God gave Satan permission. Go ahead and take everything he has, right? Right. Now we're back at a day when the sons of God present themselves before Jehovah. Job 
2, 1 through 3. And Satan came also among them to present himself before Jehovah God. And God said to Satan, where do you come from? Similar conversation, right? Right. Satan answered Jehovah God and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And God said again to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you enticed me against him to destroy him without cause. That was the verse we're really heading on this this episode, right? Awesome. What Jehovah here is stating is really Jehovah was right up to this point. Satan didn't have a right reason for making the claim that he did. However, Jehovah had to move against Job in order to contrastively prove the truth because God is right and just and doesn't have a free will, which that means God cannot act apart from right and just. There's no other nature for him to work according to. Amazing. So this move against Job was to contrastively prove out Job fears God as a cause. And it did up to this point. It did prove out it wasn't because of what Job had. Now Satan gets another opportunity. He could say, yep, you're right, God, I was wrong. But Satan doesn't do that. He answers Jehovah, verse 4, and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man has will he give for his life. But put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will renounce you to your face. And Jehovah God said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, only spare his life. <laughs> Satan's still trying to be right. Yeah. So he's making the argument that of do and are, and God is are and do. Yeah. So have's been gone at this point. Have is right? gone. Yes, that's right. All that he has is gone. His kids right. are gone. His house is gone. His possessions are gone. And because he's still able to do the things he's able to do, Satan's point is that's why he's that's why he's blessed. That's why he's not cursing you to your face. Yep, he's still got this. It's really yep. due. Okay, fine, it's due. And God's like, no, he's still fearing me as a cause. Yep. And what he does is an effect of that. So it's still this difference in which one's the cause, what you do or who you are. Satan is in this point arguing for the do. God is arguing for the art. The point here is Satan's basically saying, if you touch this man in his flesh, in his bones enough to where he won't be able to do anything anymore, then he will curse you to your face. In other words, then you'll see he would, he isn't fearing you for the right reason. God is saying, no, even if you touched him and prevented him from being able to do what he does, he'd still fear me because who, he fears me for the right reason, because of who he is and because of who I am. So again, truth is proven contrastively, and God, according to his nature, couldn't just say, no, I'm right. So he did give Satan permission to take away Job's due, his ability so to work. So truth is proven contrastively. Like the only way to find out what is true is by proving what is not true. Yeah. So let's, if this is an R do have, have do are discussion, 
We need to eliminate everything but the one cause that it is. And and so God doesn't say, I'm God, I'm right because I said so. He's saying, I prove truth, God being right and just, completely right and just, and only right and just, says this is the only right and just way to prove that something is true or right. not, is being contrastive. There is a, no yeah. because I said so. No, God doesn't say because I said so. He gives a reason and a value, and he walks this out so that we're convinced. God's convinced. He yeah, knows. He knows. But he is beholden to his nature. Right. A big picture explanation of, of this contrastive proving out of truth is the dispensations. Bingo. Why didn't God just start this whole thing by having just a group of people who actually wanted to have fellowship with him be in paradise for eternity? Because then everybody who was hanging out with Jehovah could have a claim to say, you know, is are you sure this is the right way we should be doing this? Mm. Are you sure the setup we have here in the New Jerusalem is the right setup to have? Yeah, because what if we did this? Right. What you know if what? We had the law. It sounds like we... we're doing a lot of like what sounds like we're doing a lot of work here. Wouldn't it be easier if you just gave us a list of things we couldn't do and then we'd just follow that? Or you know what? Oh, all of this like good and evil and all that stuff. Wouldn't it be better if we just didn't even know that what good and evil were and we were just innocent as little babies? Mm. So what God did with these different dispensations, you know, the way he the way he interacted with man during Eden and during you know the Abrahamic covenant and right. during the law and during the dispensation we're in right now with Pentecost and the Holy Spirit being on all flesh. We will get to the new Jerusalem and no one will be able to say, well, what if you tried this? Because everything, every, every other way of trying to fellowship with Jehovah long-term was proven not to work. Yep. That's another way of doing this where we will all be so convinced by time the marriage supper of the lamb, the wedding supper of the lamb happens and we're hanging out with Jehovah and Jesus by the Holy Spirit in the New Jerusalem, no one will ever wonder if there was a different way we could do this. We tried it all. Right. Contrastively, every step. And I think Satan knows that. I mean, does Satan understand this well enough to be like, well, what about this? Like God needs to prove this out. So Satan says this thing and it's like, well, this will cause God to, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, I know God's going to prove yeah. this out. I mean, what if the devil was locked up, right? So, the, oh, yeah, you know, right? that, that, you know, that's the problem. The problem is, is that we got the devil running around deceiving people, right? Well, let's lock Great. him up for a thousand lock years. Him up. How about a thousand years? You know, what if Jesus actually lived on earth and reigned as our king? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know what? God's like, you know what? I could be, a, I could be efficient enough to just do those two things at the same time. Jesus can reign in Jerusalem while Satan's locked up in... <laughs> Right. <laughs> and people are still and it's still not, not going to work. It's still not going to work. Even is. that is not going to work. Right. Whew. Powerful stuff, man. All right. Back to Job. Chapter two, <laughs> verses seven. That was a fun segue. 
That was in it. Uh, it Thank does you. really. It helps us flush out why this is happening. Thank you. Amazing. I love because it's like because like if I don't have the right understanding of who God is, it's like why is he even bothering to do this with Satan? Right. Right. Just say Satan, you're wrong. Flee. Get away from me. It's like no. There's an exchange going on here, and something really cool that we all benefit from. Man, it does remind me of a of another passage where it's you know. Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked you to, has asked to sift you as wheat. And well, I have, pr- and I have prayed for you. <laughs> it is, there's a, a lot, the sifting process that Peter goes through parallels the story of Job very, very closely. Doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like, again, I prayed for you. Not, I said, I said, Satan, no, you can't have off. him. I said, Nuh-uh. okay. Yeah. I prayed for you. (laughs) And when you're converted, he had faith. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Essentially, what you learn through this, you can help everybody else. Incredible. So there is a huge benefit to Peter. And we know in the story of Job, a huge benefit to Job going through this at the end. Mm -hmm. So verses 7 through 10, chapter 2 still. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Ouchie, ouchie. Mm-hmm. That was me, by the way, the ouchies. Mm-hmm. Verse eight. And he took for himself a pot shard, which is a shard of pottery, with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Give you some sense into how much pain he's in, that that is going to bring relief. No, thank you. Then his wife said, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, the story continues for quite a while. Job did eventually make a misstep, which caused the process to take longer than it needed to. But what we see here, because the point of this is to flush out Job chapter 2, verse 3 how Satan was able to get God to move the way he did. Not to help you interpret the entire book of Job, which is tempting. But this is the crux of it all, though. This will help you interpret the entire book. But anyways, at this point, all Job was left with, after everything he had was gone, and he was prevented from doing anything, was who he was in his uniqueness, or what we would say is in his R meaning who you are, right? Yeah, right. Job did not curse God to his face. Satan was proven wrong by God's contrastive method. Looks like Satan was able to make God do something. (laughs) Let's not take that and make it mean that Satan is more powerful than God. Let's just remember, God is right and just in his nature. He only has one nature to act according to, and God moves for, against, or not at all in response to justice. Nice. And a great question is, do you think that Satan, who is more familiar or who has more knowledge of God and how he works? Right. You as a human or Satan? 
So it would make sense that Satan would know what the right moves to make towards God to cause him to move. To cause him to move. He knows he has knowledge. Satan was wrong about the the have stuff and the do stuff, but he had knowledge. Yeah, he did. That caused God to move. And it's that's the trip up people have is causing Mm -hmm. God to move. Like, how could Satan do that? Well, do you ever pray? Hmm. Does God answer any of your prayers? Isn't that you causing God to move? Nice. If we understand God well enough, and, and honestly, causing God, I don't, and that's why, again, this is so settling when you understand God's right and just. Exactly. Because me causing God to move would mean he's being right and just in whatever situation he's moving in. Right. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Don't you want him right. to move at right. all times right. for any for any reason? Right. Ever? If you have an and if you have an issue of making God or causing God to move, then stop praying. <laughs> stop praying, or else you're and you know what for your own sake, so yeah, you totally. don't contradict yourself. Yeah, because then you don't want to, you know, you're saying, well, if you make God move, you're like Satan. Right. And you can, you know, but it's always going to be according to what is right and just. Yeah. And that's, it's like, yeah, we want God to move. Yeah. And I want to know him well enough to be able to facilitate him moving. Now, I don't want it to be as at my expense because I'm like Satan trying to, you know, with trying to prove God wrong. Right. I want it to be in response to justice and being on the positive side of justice because I'm praying and I'm facilitating God's will. But I want to know God well enough where I can intentionally cause him to move. Why? Because the more God moves, the more his will's happening. Yes. That's why. Yes. Oh, always learning new stuff. This is stuff. <laughs> I don't even have this in the notes. Praise God. He's good. <laughs> Just just going on rants like this with you. I love oh, it. I love you, brother. I love you. And look at all we learned too. And three steps again, three steps. We don't need to go through steps four and five. Sorry, everybody. And I'm saying sorry to myself too, because I can't wait to see these <laughs> next two steps. But man, oh, those first three steps powerful. Yep. Do you have the ditty for us? What? Up to three does steps anyways. The Bible say, did the English translation get in the way? I'm dancing. Why don't you look at the context and something, 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 something. I love it. What does the Bible say? Yep. Did the English translation get in the way? Yep. Why don't you look at the context? That's it. One, two, three. And so far, it has helped us uncover some complex scripture in a way where we're still learning stuff. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. And remember, what we're doing here is we're trying to embrace and be contradiction removers. Yes. Contradictions don't exist. And these steps are slowly bringing us through exposing and removing any contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. The more contradictions we remove, that's what I think me me and you are experiencing here, Jonathan. We remove these contradictions, getting them out of the way of what God wants us to understand. And then all that's left is this truth that God wants us to see. And when we remove those contradictions, the truth just becomes evident. 
And what we start doing is we start applying it to other verses in the Bible. Well, what about this? What about this? And now we took it out to, you know, what is God doing with humanity right now? Right. Like praise God for, for what Job went through for us to learn that God does things contrastively. He proves truth contrastively in a right and just fashion. Amen. So us as his kids, we have to be doing the same thing. Right. Yep. This is how we should be looking and discovering what is true is by, you know, and we are not truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so by being contrastive and proving ourselves wrong, not justifying ourselves, but looking to see how God is right and just in these things, he's going to bring us to the truth. Yes. Which, which leads us into the ultimate answer. This is what we want as God's kids. What's the ultimate answer, Joel? Yeah. So a reminder again, you know, there are conflicts in the Bible, especially in what is stated. Oh yeah. However, we, there are not contradictions in the Bible according to the why or the doctrines. What we learn here in Job is God initiated a have do our, our do have argument with Satan over a righteous man, Job. God believes our do have. Who you are results in what you do, results in what you have. Satan believes have do are. What you have results in what you do, results in who you are. Since truth is proven contrastively and God, according to his nature, couldn't just say, I'm right because I said so, God had to move against Job. Yep had to meaning this that's the process that is the right and just process for determining truth is yes. contrastively that right. is that is the method that is the formula so right. if that is what's right if that is what's just then guess who's going to be the best at it jehovah jehovah god yeah. will be the best at it jesus and the holy spirit they're contrastive this is a contrastive god yes oh. Powerful stuff. Well, thank you, Joel. This has been awesome. I've had so much fun. This has been What the Flock. If you would like a a deeper study of this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made traditional perspectives, check out the Music of Life Church companion episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.